Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Hey folks, and welcome to The Prestige, a podcast by film lovers for film lovers. Normally on this show, each week we pick a film, we review that film, we discuss that film, some of its ideas and things, but not this week. This week is an episode out of time, out of canon. Every year we've been doing this show, we've always tried to tie off the year with our top five of the year, our top five movies of the year. These lists have got smaller and tighter as... Time has gone on and life's went in the way. And I imagine in the 2020 COVID year, the list will be smaller and tighter than ever before. Um, but here we are, the first day of 2021, the first day of a brand new dawn. We thought it was apt to uh, look back and go over some of the films we've enjoyed this year. Right then, yes. Do you have any, Rob, to start with, have you got any that didn't make your top five that you'd like to mention? Um... I have some also runs, but I'll come to those afterwards. If I go through them now, I might give away what my top five are. All right, okay. But I have, I have a couple of films that uh, just missed out on it. But I will say, outside of the top five, I'm getting closer to just, I saw this film this year. Yes. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, go on then, kick off. Okay. Number five. Number five is the Netflix movie... I'm thinking of ending things. This is a Charlie Kaufman film. I've in the past not been the biggest fan of his work. I find it quite self-indulgent at times. But this one, I just caught me in the right mood and I really, really liked it. It is weird. It requires audience interaction. It requires audience participation in terms of trying to unpick the narrative. This is not a film that you sit down and just watch and take it in. You have to actively try and work out what it's doing because it will not tell you it will not explain itself to you it will not give you hints you have to just try and keep working at working out what is going on and you'll find a way through it's a hard thing to talk about in terms of reviews without giving away a lot of what happens in it it is a Charlie Corbin film it is weird it plays with time and memory and loss and love and all these kind of things and any more I say will probably give away spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah, my number five. Sam, what about you? Yes, um, before I start, I should say I looked at my top five just before we started today and realised how unutterably bleak they all are. <laughs> <laughs> These are such 2020 films. Um, so, <laughs> in that vein... I mean, this is the least bleak of my top five, which tells... I mean, this is about an assassin going on a mass murdering killing spree. So, I mean, (laughs) if if this is the (laughs) light-hearted one... um, Fair enough. This is Extraction. It was a Netflix film from this year. Um, And it's a mercenary called Tyler Rake, played by Chris Hemsworth and Chris Hemsworth... It's a no good performance. Um, and I like this because it's just so violent. And it, it, there's something, I mean, 
when you, I mean, it, the, it, this is quite a predictable film, and you've seen this before, and this is like Bourne, and it's like Bond, and it's just about any other sort of action film involving a, a man who kills lots of people and doesn't quite die himself. Um, but there's something, I mean, with the other films I mentioned, like Bourne and Bond, they, they sort of pull their punches around the violence sometimes mm. in quite a subtle way. And I kind of like how brutal this is. I and mean, it is it, just so unutterably violent. And <laughs> so it's, it's no, no higher than number five in my top five, but I did quite enjoy it, enjoy watching and thinking, oh, they're going to show that. Uh, like, oh, they really are, right. Um, so <laughs> it was just, just quite a fun one. It was sort of not what I expected and it wasn't um, in the same sort of, cliched mould that other sort of action thrillers have come to follow mm. number four for you number four number four so I just I'll put it in order I don't know if we're going to have much overlap in our um um, list if this is the mo- that was the most the least bleak of your movies because most of mine are quite upbeat um, it's clearly where, where our heads were in this year but if we do we will discuss the movie twice as it were if films do crop up now my number four choice I feel a bit out of sorts saying it because this is very much the kind of film that I've got on record as just not liking it's not a me film it's not a film that I tend to watch not a time I to seek out I actively tend to avoid these kind of movies um, the name of the film is Emma this is the 2020 movie the period drama of um jane austen's novel of the same name starring um arna taylor joy with amazing support from bill nye miranda hart josh o'connor johnny flynn it's as period a period movie as you can get i don't like period films i'm a british person our life is dominated by period films um it's all it is our main export as a nation these days is period dramas and I don't like them. And I haven't enjoyed other versions of Emma. I didn't enjoy the um, one with Green Poucher. I haven't enjoyed the TV adaptations. But this one, A, it was the last film I saw in the cinema this year, um, which I think has a, a relevance to me. But I just I just deeply enjoyed this movie. I thought they played up the humour in the um, characters and the austere, I suppose comedy of manners that uh, these movies can be just really hit me really in the right moment really hit me and i think it was a beautiful film it's a great looking film the set design the costume design was just wonderful and in the same way that so many period dramas can be a bit drab because you've seen it all before here they really embrace color and style and yeah i came out of it but my wife and i came out of it going that was really good wasn't it <laughs> Because yeah. we, we chose to see it because we wanted to see a film. We wanted to go to the movies before the world died. And we, took, we enjoyed the experience of cinema rather than the movie itself. But we both just really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, a period drama. Did you see The Queen's Gambit? No, I haven't. Which I've heard great things. It's, I mean, it's not good for... Well, it, it is... 
perceived good for the sort of machinations and things around chess, and those are quite interesting. But at its root, it's just a really good story, and she is brilliant in it. So mm-hmm. I can imagine anything that Andy Taylor-Joy is in just being better than you thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. She, she was very good in The Witch, which I think was probably her breakout movie back in 2015. Um, she's very, very good in that. You're number four, Sam. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Getting more bleak now. Um, this one is about the end of the world. Um, <laughs> this is um, another Netflix film because, of course, chances to go to the cinema have been limited this year. Um, and it was released in the past few days, actually. And I told my wife I was watching it and I told her what the premise was. And she was like, well, that's bleak, isn't it? Why are you watching that? Um, and she's got a point. It's a, <laughs> it's sort of a cross between the road and gravity, and um, it's just it, it's it's very it's very nihilistic, um, and it's sort of it, it's a bit patchy, I suppose. It's not an absolutely amazing film. Um, but there are um, parts, there beautifully shot sections that take place in space, um, kind of reminiscent of um, the film with the from the seventies lone guy in space. Silent Runnings. Silent Runnings, exactly. Yes. Yep. Um, <clears throat> So there are parts that are reminiscent of that. There are parts that are reminiscent of Gravity, which is unsurprising because this is starring and directed by George Clooney. Um, this is kind of... It, it's a bit all over the place. It's a little bit several films in one. Um, and the bits with um, the road trip sort of element, like Cormac McCarthy's The Road, don't really dovetail with the bits that take place in space but it's it's just beautiful it's a beautiful experience um and the central premise is that there has been a cataclysmic event and the world has ended in well the world has become uninhabitable in 2049 and george clooney stays behind when everyone else leaves the earth because he's terminal and doesn't see the point um, and it's about George Clooney essentially slowly dying. Um, and there is a separate story involving um, a flight which has gone looking for somewhere for people to establish a colony um, outside Earth. And they don't know what's happened on Earth. And they come back and they get told what has happened by George Clooney. And yes, it's incredibly bleak and there's not much to look forward to. And it's not much optimism about this film, but it's kind of quite, it's very beautiful to look at. Um, and mm-hmm. it's got George Clooney in it and Felicity Jones. And having, having said all that, there is sort of a note of looking forward to the future at the end, which I quite liked. So, yeah, it, it's not one to sit down and put your feet up with a nice warm cup of cocoa and enjoy on a festive night but that's what I did and um, yeah I I wouldn't say I enjoy the experience but I, it's, a, it's a very beautiful film to look at it's the midnight sky 
What's your number three? My number three. So sticking with uh, upbeat movies, um, <laughs> I've gone with Palm Springs, um, which I believe was on originally a Hulu film. I believe it was on uh, Amazon Prime over here. Um, it is a, I suppose, a Groundhog Day remix, um, with the twist it's tie being that it's two people stuck in it. It is Andy Samberg and Kristin Milotti, um, who we all know from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and the mother from How I Met Your Mother. And it's about them stuck at a wedding. It is her sister's wedding, and he is the boyfriend of one of the bridesmaids. And it is a modern take on um, the Groundhog Day formula, I suppose. It does come with a heavy dollop of nihilism, um, as the movie starts, Andy Samberg has been in the loop for quite a long time. We are coming to him at the end of where the Grand Day ends, and Chris Milotti comes in at that point. And it is about them, I suppose, finding each other, finding themselves, and finding some sort of resolution towards the end. The film ends ambiguously, I'd say. Um, it ends in a very... You can read it any way you like, sort of turn. But the journey to get it is, in equal parts, absolutely hilarious and beautifully heartwarming. And in its own way, crushing and nihilistic. <laughs> but both of them are brilliant together. And you equally believe their funniness, their jokes, their humour and their charisma. And also the more heartfelt bits of it. It's got, I won't say impacted, but it's got a brilliant support from Jay Simmons, who I just think lifts any any movie that he's in. He's incredibly good in it. Mm. And Peter Gallagher, who many of us will know as Seth Cohen from the OC, turns up as um, Kristen's dad. And there are just some moments, genuinely, where I laughed out loud. And yeah, we, we often watch movies at home. We have this year watched a lot of movies at home. And often comedy I find they make, you, they make you smile they make your eyes smile this genuinely made me laugh out loud so loudly that my wife texts me to make sure I'm okay um, <laughs> which I think is always a good sign um, it, I, I think it's on Amazon over here it's just really 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 good um, yeah I can't say enough good things about it yeah Palm Springs brilliant number three Sam yes number three um <clears throat> I've talked about this before on the podcast. I watched it um, a few weeks ago. It's the latest Spike Lee joint. It's 2020's The Five Bloods. And as I went into it in quite some glowing detail on the episode, so I won't do, I won't go over that too much. Um, I would just say it's it's brilliant. And it's Chadwick Boseman's last film. And he is, he's brilliant in it. But the supporting cast are also very good. It's very poignant. And, yeah, it's just it's a very good watch. It's about the Vietnam War and it's about the African-American experience during and after, well, and before, actually, the Vietnam War. And it's well worth your time as a piece of, I suppose, sort of social commentary about that time and race relations around that. And then also about the... Um, the modern world and the, I suppose, the, the very end, the tail end of Donald Trump's presidency in the US and people coming to terms with that. So yes, to Five Bloods, thoroughly recommended. So far I haven't seen any of yours, so right. uh, interesting. interesting. <laughs> um, 
number two for me. Number two is for shame, another period film. Um, but hopefully not of the more stale British variety. Um, my film, which actually was released in 2019, but due to COVID and everything else, didn't get a UK release until 2020. Um, and that is Kelly Reichardt's film, First Cow. I think I talked about this on maybe our very last episode we did um, mm. of the normal series. Um, but to reiterate, it is the tale of a trapper and a, I suppose, businessman, a cook, um, who find themselves and find each other in the Oregon territories in America and hatch a scheme to sell oily cakes to the local miners and workmen, doing so by stealing milk from the only cow in the territory, the first cow title. Um, and it is, whilst that is the plot on which the story hangs, the film is mostly about these two men, about Cookie and King, and it's about them but no, exploring the idea of male friendship, of love, of companionship, about what it means to be a man in this time and a man to this day. Um, the film talks a bit about, I suppose, capitalism and the American dream and the Ameri- the idea of the American state and what it means to be the, you know, the, the man who owns the cow and all of that. It's also just a beautiful, somber telling of this tale and the acting throughout is brilliant the two leads i must say i don't really know them from anything from anything else prior um to this but they've got some brilliant um support from all brilliant other like you've got ewan bremner's in it um renee obergenis is in it it's got toby jones in it some brilliant support from the other sort of characters in it as well it feels in the way that emma absolutely is an emma felt staged and preposterous and very much like a, a candy box of a sh- movie this felt like a fistful of mud that you found and it's just, it's grimy and it's beautifully shot and the greens of the forest against the dark muds of the earth it's just a wonderful movie and i was utterly entranced by it um and it's the one where little images of the movie still play over in my head I just can't. If you haven't seen it, it's just so worth seeing. It is not for everybody. It is a film that is, well, it's not hard work, but it is not an action movie. It's not a slap bang comedy movie. Whilst it does have action and comedy in it, um, but yeah, it's a uh, for me. It was a real sort of meditative experience to watch that one. Sam, your number two. More bleakness, I'm sure. Yeah, more bleak. Um, this is actually the last film I saw in cinema. It's probably, I mean, my enjoyment of it as a film was coloured by the fact that I really enjoyed that experience. Um, it's it's a film that was made the very tail end of twenty nineteen. It was only released in the first week of January. It's just about scrapes in. Um, it's the Sam Mendes film, nineteen seventeen, which. If you hear about it just being sort of one long shot, then it comes across as if it could be quite gimmicky, and it's completely not. And it it, it captures the essence of the sort of claustrophobic experience of war. Um, not that I know anything about this, but it, 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 this seems to be what 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 the film is saying through this. 
Um, it has brilliant performances from the the two leads are Dean Charles Chapman and George Mackay. Um, and I've never watched Game of Thrones, but apparently um, one of them is famous from that. Um, but it has um, a number of exceptional cameos from a whole host of people, Andrew Scott, Benedict Cumberbatch, Conifer, um, and it's just, the, the cinematography is absolutely amazing, it's a beautiful one to look at, and in much the same way as you were talking about the first cow, it being experiences, sort of being immersed in the griminess of it, you can really feel what it was like for these men at this point in the in the modern grind of the trenches in April nineteen seventeen. So yes, that's my my number two film. As I said, possibly coloured by the fact it was it was such a great experience being immersed in the sights and sounds of it in the cinema itself. Mm-hmm. And sadly that's something that I haven't had since. Um, but it, quite apart from that, it's just a brilliantly made film. It was for me. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, it always reminds me of *The Thin Red Line*. That's a movie that from the nineties that I really liked. Mm. Um, that kind of huge, expansive cast yeah. and uh, *Tale of a War*. So here we are, guys, down to number one, our top movies of the year. Um, I'm going to go first, and then hand it over to Sam. Now. I will say this, my number one choice is Obscure. So if you haven't heard of it, I if you haven't seen it, I will not be surprised. If you haven't heard of it, I will not be surprised. Right, we, then we do not have any overlap. <laughs> I would be surprised if anyone's seen this movie because it is a very much a, a niche movie. Um, but for me, I saw it, I don't know, four days ago, five days ago. And it absolutely blew me away. Um, and it is the film from this year called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Um, so, Sam, have you even heard of this film? No. Fair enough. Yeah. So, this this is a very interesting and weird film. It tells the tale of the last day of a Vegas dive bar called The Roaring Twenties. This is a documentary. This is a film in the patrons and people who populate this bar from opening to close and it's a window on that day and these people of their time and their how they ended up drinking at a dive bar in vegas um it is very it was very evocative of movies like slacker and things like um before sunset in there's just people talking just people talking and little slices of life and going on to the day um the twist, and I will give it away here because it is important to go in knowing this, it's not real. It is, it's real and not real. So what they have done is they have cast this movie from real people who go to these dive bars, taken them to a dive bar for two days and got them drunk and filmed it. They've got an actor in there. One of the, one of the um, patrons is an actor. Um, and from that, they have assembled this movie that is just it's beautiful in the way it handles humanity it doesn't have the beautiful um cinematography of first cow or emma it 
is all about the people and these people who populate this bar and the stories they tell. And it's got a old veteran coming to terms with where he is and these people who none of them have ended up at a dive bar called the Roaring Twenties because their life's gone well. You know, this is not a place where young kids on the up up go to. It is the last resort for people. And it is, it's heartbreaking as movie is, but it's also beautiful. And as someone who, through my younger punk days, spent a lot of time in dive bars, spent a lot of time drinking in these places, um, it brought a warmth to the end of my year that I can't quite explain. And it just absolutely was stunning to me. Um, I th- you can get it. It's available somewhere, one, one, one place in the UK. I can't remember the link, but you can get it. You can buy it. It's not any major stream platforms. Um, it's two brothers who made it. And I think it's basically their first film. Um, they've kind of got out there. It's a big breakout movie. And it was just... Yeah, I just can't explain how good this movie was. Um, but I will hold my hands up and say it's not going to be for everybody. Um, it's not going to be for the multiplex crowd. Um, but I think if you do give it a chance, if you do buy into its its ethos and its style, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, I was genuinely in tears watching this movie. So, yeah, bloody nose, empty pockets. Sam, take a summer darker. <laughs> Dark. Um... It's, I suppose, not quite as bleak as the others on my list. Um, it's also even more mainstream. The, the only way I can pretend that it's something that Rob wouldn't heard of is wouldn't have heard of is give the original title in Korean is Gi Sang Chung. Is is the English translation is Parasite, um, which had a number of releases in 2019 and 2020, but the UK release was 2020, so I'm going with that. Um, and it's Bong Joon-ho's latest, um, who directed one of the films in my top five a few years ago, um, Ogja. Hmm. And it's just, it's, yes, it's beautifully made, um, beautifully shot as well acted but even more than that there's something of the like sort of if I say old fashioned comedy it's not not a comedy not a ha ha comedy at all but in the way that something like The Lady Killers for example is a brilliantly crafted film or Arsenic and Old Lace is just really, really tight and everything fits together. Everything fit together in this in the same sort of way. And there is actually an element to it that's reminiscent of any comedies like that. I mean, as I said, it's it's definitely not a comedy at all. Um, and it just blew me away. It's It becomes a very different and much darker film about an hour into it. And you spend the first 50 minutes thinking, well, okay, this is good and this looks good. And I know this is a good film, but like, what's going on here? Um, and then it hits you. It's just, it's just brilliant. And like I said, it's um, not strictly a 2020 film, but I'm going to go with the UK release. Um, and I watched it in 2020. It was one of the many films I saw um, through various streaming platforms in 2020, um, 
partly because of COVID and partly because who has time to go to the cinema anymore with two kids. Um, but it just blew me away and it was brilliant. So although I've had sort of my four and five of my top five were sort of curious egg of films and I could see them, see the bad points as well as good. My top three are, are certainly stunning films and any with Parasite is just utterly brilliant. Um, and I would say to, I mean, yes, if you haven't seen him, watch this film, definitely. But then watch anything by Bong Joon-ho because he is a brilliant director. He is. It's interesting. I haven't seen any of your top five. I haven't seen Parasite yet. Um, it is no, one I, of those I ones that's sitting it. on my list to get to, obviously, because it has had the mm. outpouring of love and support that it's had from everybody, basically. Um, I've just not got around to it yet. As, as you say, you know, yeah. 2020 plus kids is... Uh, a heady mix yeah. for not seeing movies. Yeah, I spent the, the first 50 minutes thinking, well, okay, this is good, but why does everyone love it? Like, what is this? And it's just amazing. I That reminds me, I'm sure we told this story before, but uh, you and I watching The Usual Suspects as teenagers and convincing all yeah. my friends to see it, knowing how brilliant it was, and uh, him going, I don't, it's fine, it's fine, it's all right, until the end. Do you have some runners-up for us, Sam? Um, well, as you mentioned at the start, I mean, we're scraping the barrel a bit because it tends to be dipping into the end of films from 2020 that I've seen. Um, I did enjoy, I mentioned before, something that you didn't really get on board with. I enjoyed Enola Holmes. I kind of felt that it was just a fun sort of knockabout comedy and it, I mean, I probably should have included it on my list to alleviate some of the bleakness. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, and I enjoy, I mean, back to bleak, there was a another film about a contract killer that I quite liked, quite a film called Ava. Um, and... <sighs> I suppose it's quite cliched in its setup, and it has um, Colin Farrell as the um, unpleasant boss, and then John Malkovich as a gnarled old handler. And the the twist is that the killer in question, the killer with scruples, and the killer who has to be stood down from various missions is Jessica Chastain. And it was, I mean, she, she was brilliant in it, as you'd expect. And it was just quite an enjoyable film. So I'd put that that close to my top five. Nice. What about you? So I've got, I'm going to list a couple that uh, I saw this year and I thought were good. So I'm going to say them really, um, from this year. So very recently we saw Godmothered, um, which is a Christmas film that came out this year it's from Gillian Bell and Isla Fisher about a godmother who discovers that no one believes anymore and has to head to see her a kid at Christmas to save them. It's all very Christmassy kind of thing, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I'd probably give it a higher rating than I normally would because I was in the Christmas spirit. Same goes for a Hallmark movie called Jingle Bell Bride. I'm a big fan of Hallmark <laughs> Christmas films. Um, I think I, I'm anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I love these movies. Um, so that was a fun one. It was a good fun one. Um, but once again, you've got to go into know what you're getting and you've got to like the uh, style. In more mainstream choices, um, we saw Bad Boys for Life, which is the third and maybe final version of, 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 of the Bad Boys trilogy. Now, 
it was fun. It doesn't touch the first two in terms of insanity or style, um, but it was just a good, fun movie. Once again, another film I saw in the cinema before everything closed down. Um, it was just it was just a good, fun film. And then we caught up with Irreversible, which is Steve Carell starring, directed by John Stewart. It's the tale of a Democrat in America consultant gets caught up in a whirlwind about a, a small town in trying to change them. It's a very John Stewart esque political satire movie. Um, and so your mileage with it may vary depending on how you feel about John Stewart and his style of humor. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, it's a solid three star movie. Uh, it's not going to rock the world and it certainly didn't rock the world. Um, but, uh, Rose Byrne is in it as a conservative version of Steve Carell, and she is delightfully insane in it and aggressive and just brilliant to watch in everything she's in. Um, but with great support from Mackenzie Davis, who I'm a big fan of, um, and Tafer Grace. And the other one I want to mention, the last one is my back to Christmas because we are just out of season is happiest season which is the Kirsten Stewart Mackenzie Davis Christmas movie from this year. It's just just lovely. It's got brilliant turns from Aubrey Plaza um, as another um, ex of Mackenzie Davis's. Um, it's just it's just a really lovely Christmas movie. The time for Christmas movies is probably past this point. I feel you can still get away with it during the 12 days, but I think a lot of people have moved on. So if you haven't seen that one, go see it. Um, but those are my also runs. But uh, yeah, it's been very much a, what have I seen this year? It's been those ones. It's been been a weird year for films, guys. It's been a very weird year for everything, but films in particular. Is is that where we end up? I don't know. Twenty twenty one will be better. Twenty twenty one will see films being released. It'll see the return of cinemas, hopefully. Um and we all will continue doing our show. We are going through our Disney remakes and we are likely to step into season five at some point in twenty twenty one which will be exciting for us um we'll reach our our 200 it's coming up soon which will be quite a, a milestone for us 